Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today as we're talking about finding normal. We've got COVID-19 racism talks going on. We've got division happening. It seems like if you say something that you're criticized, if you don't say enough, then you're shamed. You know, how much more do we need going on before we realize and recognize we're really not in control as much as we actually think we are? Times are uncertain. In fact, if you're a boomer or a Gen Xer, you might be looking at the year 2020 through the lens of Marty McFly as Doc tells him, Marty, whatever you do, do not go back to 2020. If you are a little bit younger than that, maybe, and if you find yourself in that millennial or Gen Z age group, you might think of it this way, actually. Who in the world started the game Jumanji. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? That it's like, wow, I'm grasping for things and just just trying to find some, some placeholder to try to find, again, what is normal? What does it look like? Will things even feel normal at some point here? Well, the reality is that things rarely go as planned. It's just being accentuated now more than probably what we've ever realized before. Even personally, think about that. How quickly change comes and how quickly unplanned change comes even. Have you ever been laid off unexpectedly? It's not something that you thought was going to happen. Definitely not something that you wanted to happen. It was not in your plans, but it happened anyways. Have you ever thought this? I'm going to go to this place. I know I am going there, and yet you never arrive. Instead, you find yourself in a hospital because you were in a car accident that you never saw coming. And if you had seen it coming, there is no way you would have ever gotten into that car because it changed your life in a moment. Have you ever been studying for a test? Find yourself only in that place where you can't remember the answers. Or maybe even worse yet, You had spent the whole night up studying only to find yourself waking up one hour after the test was taking place. You can't tell me that was the map that you had going on in your mind. No, we don't plan those things. And yet we see them happen. And so we're going to look at that today because it's so very important for us to come to some realizations. And one of those questions I want to beg is this, how do I find normal when it is no more. You know, one of the things that I would say that I've been reminded of over and over during this time is that I'm not in control as much as I actually had led myself to believe. Let me ask you if you would right now, grab a Bible or go ahead and and find a Bible app if you have one downloaded on your phone and turn to the book of James. James chapter 4 As James is writing to a group of people, they're Christ followers is who he's talking to. And that's going to be very unusual because of what he has to tell them. But James is talking to these Christ followers and he starts out with two great facts about life. I'm grateful for the reminders because I can too easily forget two of these major facts of life. The first fact is simply this. It's life is fluid, meaning it's ever changing. As James is addressing this group of Christians, 
as they've expressed that they follow God, they think about God regularly, he has to remind them that life is fluid. It's going to move on you. And the way he does this, we see in James chapter 4. And if we go down to verse number 13, we read this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Now let me ask you, does that sound like you could have said those things? Sure. Most of us have plans in life, and those plans include providing for our families even. It's not wrong what's going on here. It's something that each of us could find ourselves in that exact scenario. And so James is not just talking to the people of that time. He's also talking to us. And so as he says, now listen, you who say, could be me, it is me, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Listen to what he says next. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Wow. So true, isn't it? Because life is fluid, it changes on a regular basis. And then he goes into another fact immediately in that verse 14. And that one is this. Life is short. It's very short, isn't it? When we look at it and we see how short it is, sometimes it's a little bit scary. Even another minute of our lives is not guaranteed. He puts it this way. He gives us this word picture so we can kind of see what he's talking about. Again, back in verse 14, he says, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, some of us have come to that realization We've come to that idea that, that our life is very, very short. It's here and it's gone, just like that. When you take those two things and put them together, it can feel very, very chaotic. That life is changing and it's changing quickly because life is so very short. And it can leave us in a place of uncertainty, of difficulty, and we have to figure out who are we going to trust at that point. You know, the natural thing to do at a point of uncertainty is try to make the uncertain certain. And I don't know about you, but one of the ways I do that is I begin to think, if I have the best laid plans, then life will go from uncertain to certain. If I can take those plans and I can just cement them in, just, just have something so stable in my life, I know it's never going to move on me. And so I plan and then I put up a backup plan in place as well. We cement them in. As I was growing up, in fact, in my, in my childhood years, on into my adult years, my dad did construction. And one of the things, his expertise, was concrete work. It's what it was. And it was great as a child. You know, it would be just so awesome to see that truck rolling on to the, to the job site it was cool. It was, it was like, man, this is the manly man work here. And you saw these guys, a flurry of activity as they had run to get that, that concrete work done quickly because they knew once that concrete set, it was going to be pretty much immovable. And a lot of times we treat our plans that way. We put them in concrete so that they won't move. And we do that by saying, I will blank emphatically. This is going to happen, whether it be tomorrow, whether it be the next day, whether it be next year. This is what's going to happen. And
Put it in concrete thinking it will never move. It will never be adjusted. It will always be this way. You know, one of the fun things about concrete is before it's set up, if you got to it quick enough, you could actually put your initials in it. Sometimes if it didn't matter all that much, my dad would let us actually put our handprints in it. And then he'd do something really, really, really cool, but he always had to do it before that concrete set. So after it was finished, they took the finishing trowel, they had groomed it, maybe brushed it a little bit. He would take a nice, brand new, shiny penny, and he'd put it in that concrete, marking the year that it was laid. But he knew someone walks up, they want that penny. They're going to have to do some chiseling to get it out. Our plans are very similar that way. As we find that things are uncertain, we want to cement them in. We want them to stay just like we said they were going to be. And in doing that, we try to make them so that they will never move, no matter what, to lay our plans the best that we possibly can. What we're doing is we're looking for who we can trust. And if we can't trust our own plans, then who can we trust? We've learned a lot about trust these last few months, haven't we? We've learned you really can't trust the World Health Organization. You really can't, can't trust that the stock market's going to continue to rise over and over again. We've even learned that even our own families can't guarantee everything that we'd ever want, sometimes even what we'd throw into that category of needs. And so we're still going to look for who can we trust and where do we go for that trust? Well, God wants us to come to him. But the problem is not with planning or the absence of it even. The problem is in presumption. Presumption that results in self-dependence over God-dependence. Last week, Pastor Guy helped us to understand that we need to be forward-focused. And as we look forward and look at the future, one of the things we need to make sure is that we're not presuming. Presuming is when we're treating something uncertain as if it is fact, as if it will always be that way. And I think we've all learned that that's just not the case. And so as we look to the future, we need to make sure that God is the one that we're leaning into. And that's what James is going to bring about here. But what we have to understand is this, God is not anti-planning, but he is anti-presumption. Treating the future as if it's in cement, as if it's in concrete, as if it is immovable, as if our plans are the ones that will always come to fruition. So the problem is not the planning. It's in the presumption, meaning the problem is actually how little and how late I bring God into my plans. Let me say that again. How little and how late do I bring God into my plans? That's what we're faced with, isn't it? That's the question that needs to be begged and that we need to look at. You know, we're not all natural planners, are we? I mean, think about it. Are you a natural planner? You may be, but we all are natural presumers. It's just a tendency that we have to lay out the best laid plans that we possibly can, even desires, 
And then to have this anticipation that they're going to go exactly that way. And so we have to fight against the presumption. And in doing so, we need to look at and we need to ask a couple of questions. Where am I at when it comes to God's involvement in my future? Am I still thinking that I'm giving God permission? You know what that looks like, right? That looks like, you know, making all your plans and God, giving God permission to come in and to make them happen. We'll even pray to that end sometimes. We'll put it all together and then we'll say, hey, God, can you just bless this? And what we're asking is, you know, saying, you know what? I, I might need your help a little bit. In fact, I understand that I probably do need your help. So can you just come in and take my plans and make them happen, make them flourish? I remember as I was uh, planning to put a uh, finished bedroom in our basement, in our unfinished basement, put the plans together. In fact, I had to because I had to turn them into the city. And I had my thoughts, my goals, and all those things, all of that was needed. But part of that plan also had a monetary piece to it, and it had a timeline to it. And neither of them got met. Because the thing that I didn't expect was this, as I was, you know, deciding to do much of the work myself, including digging a hole in the ground so that you could put an egress window in, thinking I'm going to save money if I don't have to rent some expensive equipment and if I don't have to pay someone else to do that. Part of my plan was not to end up with a pinched nerve in my neck as a result of all that shoveling. <laughs> that would cost me more in chiropractor bills than it did save me the equipment that I could have rented. We've all had that happen to us before. It delayed things. And it definitely did not go the way that I thought. And do you know what happened? It was at that point that I looked to God and said, God, do you really want me to finish this? It got finished. But imagine if I would have started asking him, God, what do you want me to do? I didn't think it was important to God. I didn't think that he cared. I didn't think that it mattered. I had made up in my mind, this is what needs to happen. This is what's going to happen good desires even, and yet I was presuming upon the future. And so as we look at what God wants, he gives us some helps with this. In fact, what he does is he helps us to stay out of that place of presumption. One of the ways he does it is we've got to go from thinking that we just need to go and ask God to come and bless our plans to where we make him the prerogative and we see that he is the prerogative that he has the prerogative. Prerogative basically just means he has the right. Maybe you've not said this out loud before, but have you ever asked, what right does God have to mess with my plans? Think about that. I was created by him and for him. And if you're a Christ follower, you've made statement to that at some point probably in your life. Would you say it with me? I was made by him and for him. I was made by him and for him. The reason I know that is Colossians chapter 1, verse number 16 tells us that, where it says this. It says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Everyone. And not only were we created by him and for him, but honestly, God knows better. 
he knows me better than I know myself. Meaning, he has the big picture and the small picture. I don't have that ability to see both of those. And so that means his plans are going to be greater than my plans. His plans are going to be bigger than my plans. And so why wouldn't I include him on the front end even of my plans or maybe even start my day with it? Meaning instead of saying, I will, to say, if it's the Lord's will. Are you familiar with texting slang? Are you familiar with uh, acronyms? You know, kind of like LOL. Now, I realize it can have different meanings, but I take that as laughing out loud when I see that. Or maybe TTYT, talk to you later. Sorry, TTYL, talk to you later. And then I learned a new one here. GG, good game. They're kind of fun, aren't they? Easy things just to put into a text. But I'm going to give you an acronym because acronyms have been around a lot longer than texting has. An acronym that actually Christians would use to remind themselves that they need to submit their plans to God. That acronym is DV. Now, before you start scratching your head thinking, DV, what in the world does DV stand for? I'll give it to you, okay? DV is Latin for Deo Valente. Deo Valente simply means God willing. And Christ followers, as they put together their plans, and sometimes they would write those plans and share them with someone else, and before they would seal that letter and send it off, they would make sure they put those two initials, DV, on that letter, reminding themselves and the recipient of those plans that I want this to take place, but it's only going to take place if God wills. Think about that with everything that we do. If we start saying DV tonight, we're going to go out for dinner, DV. Tomorrow, I'm going to buy a new car, DV. This winter, the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl, DV. Now, wait a minute. We're being a little bit too presumptuous there. Maybe we'd say, you know what? This year, 2020, the Green Bay Packers are even going to play football, DV. You see, DV is saying, God, I submit to you my plans. They are for you. I need you to help me with this. The problem with presumption is that it leaves God out of the picture, or worse yet, it tells him to stay out of my business. And I think I'd never say that to God. But when we don't include him, when we don't say, God, if it's your will, we're doing the same thing. In fact, James has so much to say about this and to help us understand that leaving God out of our plans, it's straight up arrogance is what it is. And he calls it out like that. It's boasting and boasting is so detrimental to our relationship with God that James gets real strong about this. In fact, he says something that you're probably going to get defensive about immediately in verse number 16 of James 4, where he says this, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. I don't know about you, but right away I want to say, I'm not evil. I'm not evil. My plans are good. They're genuine. They're helpful. They're meaningful. They're hard work. They're goals that I've set. But the problem is this. When you take God out of anything, 
you have nothing good left. We call that secular. When we take God out of our society, when we take God out of our personal plans, when we take God out of our global world, saying we're going to have a problem. And so we need to have God be the one who directs us, who helps us to show us the way. And he does it in a very special way. And that's what James is trying to get across here. He's trying to teach us to not hold too tightly to our own plans and too loosely to his plans. One of the greatest reminders of this is a, is a proverb that takes things and it basically puts them into perspective when it comes to how fluid we need to leave our planning. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse number nine, it says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You see, when our plans are cemented in, there's a problem, isn't it? And believe me, this is cemented in. It's not going anywhere. In fact, if I want it to go anywhere and I try to move it, do you know what's going to happen? My plans, they're just going to break. They're going to snap. And so when God's saying, look, in your heart, you're going to plan, and that's a good thing. But make sure you leave room for me to work. Make sure you come to me and partner with me in your plans. And so he doesn't want us just to put our plans in cement. He actually wants us to put them in sand. Because every once in a while, God's going to need to come along. And as we ask, and as we say, God willing, God willing. And we find out that the direction we're headed is not the same as where God wants us to go. That he's able to, without breaking us, without crushing our plans, to go ahead and move us where we need to go. To put our plans in something moldable. To put our plans in something where our trust has to be in not just ourselves, not a self-dependence, but a God-dependence. Well, that leads us obviously to a bigger question and one that we'll continue to ask over and over and over again, and that is how do I know God's will? You see, to know God's will, we have to be open to asking him for it. It's much like Jesus. You wouldn't think that Jesus needed to go know God's will or even to submit to God's will but he did. In fact, one of the clearest things that God instructed Jesus to do was to go on an earthly mission. And that was to come to this world, to live out his life, to show love to us, and to come to the end of that life, we find him in a garden, going back and forth between his will and God's will, believe it or not. But this is where he ends up right before he's going to go to the cross, he prays to his father. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. We need to put God's will before our own because to do so is to be like Jesus, to be just like Jesus. 
And so we need to be regularly finding what is God's will. So how do you do that? Start with what you know. There are pieces of God's will that we know, or at least we think we know. And so start there. An example of that would be simply this. God wants everyone to be saved. Everyone to be saved. Say, how do you know that? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9 puts it this way. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness when it comes to people being saved. He's talking about. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Have you come to God? Have you received the gift of salvation? He's saying today is the day. Today is the day to do that. Remember, life is short. It's a vapor. It's a mist. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. And so God's greatest desire for you and me is that we come to him. If you have come to him, you've received, trusted Christ as your savior, we know it's a part of his will to not hold that in, to go ahead and share it with others and to be the change in our world, to live out this life, a fulfilled life, but live out this life so that others can see the love flow through us, they can see it flow out of us, and lives will be changed, our communities will be changed as a result of that. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's God's will, because when Jesus was asked, he says, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus shot back real quickly. He knew it. They knew it. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We know that's God's will. But sometimes God's will is hard to see. Sometimes it is unknown. And for that, we need to search. We need to search for God's will. We need to ask him, what is your will for me, God? Best way to do that is to open up your Bible. Start reading it. Ask God as you're reading it, God, would you show me your will for me today? Tomorrow, would you reveal it to me? And as you read and as you continue to grow in your relationship with him, he'll reveal it because he uses a counterpart, the Holy Spirit, in order to help us to understand what's his will as well. And as that Holy Spirit prompts us and shows us, he's guiding us, he's helping us to not presume upon tomorrow, but to actually seek God, DV, to be able to, Say, God willing, these are my plans, God, but I give them to you. And so he wraps things up here with a pretty strong statement, basically saying the things that you now know, go and do, because if you don't do them, it's sin. He's saying we know better. We know better than to leave God out of our plans. We know better, if you're a Christ follower, you know better than to be self-dependent over God-dependent. Maybe you're not a Christ follower yet. God's will for you is very clear. And that is to trust him as your personal savior. In just a moment, we're gonna pray and I'm gonna encourage you to make today the day because life is short. If you are a Christ follower, would you renew your commitment to putting God first? to taking his plans seriously, to include him right from the beginning in your plans. How would you do that for the next seven days? Next seven days, would you make DV a part of your plans? 
meaning as you wake up in the morning even, you'd say, God willing, this is what I'm going to do today. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you give us guidance, you give us direction, that you reveal your will to us. But God, most of all, you want us to live life with you, with our will submitted to your will because your plans are better and greater than ours. You know us so well. And so God, I pray that you would help us to do that. To look at our lives and say, God willing, God willing. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, today is the day. God's will for you is for you to receive the forgiveness that his son came to this world to purchase for you. So would you pray right now to receive that gift of salvation? Maybe a prayer similar to this, dear God, I believe that Jesus fulfilled your will by coming as a man to this earth so that he could die on the cross. And as his blood was shed on that cross, it was enough to purchase my salvation, to give me forgiveness and the gift that you want to give me right now. And so I repent of my sin and I receive that forgiveness that you offer to me right here and right now. We praise you, God. We thank you, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you again for joining us today and say thanks for, for just even being open to what God has for you and his will for you. We'll see you next week. God willing. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.